This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Oh, the Bayou Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's Four Toys, KMOX. And he'll oh, place it back to center. And he's chased by Kaprizov. Risky play, got away with it. Now for Shen. Drops it to O'Reilly. He comes in. And around back. Shoots. He scores! And the Blues win! The captain gets it done! Puck possession time. O'Reilly clock winding down. What a smart play that is there. And with that lack of curve on his stick, he's able to get it on the backhand and elevate it so quickly. Wow! Wow, indeed. What a goal that was by Ryan O'Reilly, a backhanded wraparound to beat the Minnesota Wild yesterday, 3-2 to two in overtime. We're going to hear from our uh, gentleman, uh, Craig Berube, and also Ryan O'Reilly, who scored that goal in just a moment. News just in from the Cardinals, as Mike Schultz said, let's wait till there's an official announcement. And they have officially placed Tyler O'Neill on the 10-day injured list. He has a right groin strain, according to the club. And Lane Thomas has been recalled to the ball club. So O'Neill goes to the IL. Lane Thomas is up. And they've also recalled Johan Oviedo. From the alternate training site, Oviedo, if you if you know and, and if you've been following me, I think this guy is very special. Uh, he has been recalled Jake Woodford option to the alternate site following yesterday's game, and Oviedo is up. So O'Neal on the IL, Lane Thomas has been recalled, Oviedo has been recalled, and Woodford optioned to the alternate site. We'll hear from John Moselock at 11.30. Back to that goal. So what a goal it was. What a great play. What a team uh, starting to warm up a little bit. Are they? I don't know. Judge for yourself. But for right now, they are in a playoff spot. And here's Captain Ryan O'Reilly after his tremendous goal with two seconds on the clock in overtime. Did you know how much time was left when you took that shot? Uh... Not like I had, I had a general idea. I kind of, uh, as I was coming out of the zone, I saw we didn't have much time left and still a time to make a play, obviously. But uh, yeah, I knew kind of when I was coming towards center that I got to finish something at the net here and, and uh, try to attack. And uh, yeah, lucky, luckily the timing was good and we got it. And it didn't look like there was going to be much time for you guys to make a play when Dunner's in your own zone with the puck there. I mean, that, that, pretty much had to transpire quickly didn't it yeah he, they were uh the pressure that he was having from him wasn't sure uh we were just hoping he could get it up to to one of us there and he obviously made a strong play um get it to shenner and 
yeah, just the mindset was get something to the net and get something quick. So it was, uh, you know, that's the way overtime works. It's a little hectic. You never know what's going to happen. But, uh, yeah, to be on the, the winning side of it, it's always good. What's going through your head as you're circling the net? Or is anything going through your head? Is it just all instinct at that point? Um, no, I kind of... Uh, Shen had a good play at kind of going to that first forward, and I was thinking about taking it to the net there, and I just saw him kind of um, Talbot kind of come to the post more and challenge it a bit, so I just, you know, wanted to get something around weak side and elevate it, and uh, definitely, uh, yeah, I got under it. And, but, uh, yeah, I was just kind of, yeah, I knew there wasn't much time, so it was just I knew I had to shoot, shoot something and, uh, yeah, give it a chance. Ryan, what would you have said if somebody would have told you you'd win the first one nine to one, and tonight you'd score in the final minute of regulation and win an OT? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's crazy this time of year. Um, you know, I think in general we didn't have uh, we knew they were going to come hard and adjust and kind of we started slow, weren't great in the second, uh, started to find it a bit, and again we kind of uh, you know stayed resilient. I thought uh, you know Hoff came in and made an impact. Uh, you know the way he shoots the puck. Um, is so deadly and just makes, you know, two unbelievable plays, big goals for us to, to come in and do that after being out for a couple, uh, you know, it was a huge, huge lift, I think, for, for us and, and the team and, and him too. So it's, you know, some good things happen. Um, you know, as a team, we, we stuck together well and, and found a way to grind out these much-needed points. So it's, uh, it was a good weekend, but still a lot of work left. Ryan, these last couple of games or days had to have been tough for him to – sit out veteran guy he was brought in here to make an impact for you guys uh as a captain what do you say to him when he comes into the lineup uh you know anything along the lines of keep your head up we need you uh, just something along those lines it's got to be tough yeah no absolutely i think uh you know i think it's just kind of you know making sure he knows he's a big part of this team and you know he is you could just see it out there you did a lot of good things physical um and you know he's one of the best shooters in the game and you know he came through for us and you know, I think it shows the depth that we have, and you know, we're we're a deep team, and him coming in making an impact is uh, yeah, it was huge for us tonight. Still two more for Ryan. Ryan, you, you kind of talked about this earlier, but wondered if you could elaborate. Why was this so much uh, uh, tougher tonight? Well, you can just tell. You know, uh, yesterday, you know, everything seemed to seem to go well for us. You know, we we're just scoring, we're flying, and you know, you get a couple, you start playing looser, and just you're getting bounces your way, and. Um, Tonight, yeah, you knew that you could see they were stingy and they did a good job of keeping us, keeping us to the outside. We didn't have a lot of shots on net. Um, it was tough. It was just, they defended really well tonight. But, um, you know, that happens and, you know, we stick with it. We, you know, we don't, we don't break. You could see we kept putting it in and, and, and working and finally we get one and, and get, you know, get into OT, which is just, it's, it's huge in, in a game like that. Very good. Uh, just want to ask you your, your your thoughts on being in fourth place right now. You're in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I know. You know, we don't want to watch uh, the standings too much. We know that uh, it's going to be a tight race, no matter what. And every every game is so important. Every point is so important. Um, you know, I think for us, the focus is next game. Now, you know, we got these guys again, and again, we got to keep climbing. We got to keep climbing and 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 solidify a spot. So it's. You know, it's it's going to be tough. You know, we don't want to look at, at it now and be satisfied. You know, we got a lot of work ahead of us. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks, Ryan. All right, our thanks. There's the captain, Ryan O'Reilly. Here's Coach Craig Berube on that huge win for the team. Craig, would you say that Mike Hoffman responded tonight for you? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, two goals. Uh, you know, I thought he played well, and he used his shot well tonight, obviously, and uh, he actually had a couple good looks in overtime, too. Craig, what's going why was it uh, more difficult? You pr you had to figure it would be after they you put nine on them last night. Why was it more difficult generating offense against this team? They checked well, I thought. I thought that they um, had numbers on the puck in all three zones. Like, you know, they, they, they were more urgent. Um, yeah, I didn't think we executed overly great all game. But just, you know, when, you, when you're a play aggressive and you have numbers on the puck, uh, especially in their defensive zone. I mean, it's it's hard to generate a lot of times. It's, you know, it's pretty tight out there. But, uh, you know, our team stuck with it. Um, you know, they just kept battling and battling and found a way to, you know, get a tie and then get the win. As overtime's winding down and, and Vince Dunn actually had, had the puck uh, beyond the blue line, are you thinking you're going to shoot out there? Well, yeah, I was... You know, Dunner, he had a guy on his back there. He did a good job of shaking him off. I was a little bit worried about him taking that puck back, and he was getting hounded pretty heavily by uh, Kaprasov. I believe it was him. So, you know, I was looking at it that way. Don't turn it over, you know, but he did a good job of being strong on the puck, and we, tra we you know, transported it the other way, and we ended up scoring. Craig, who knows what's going to happen with the trade deadline, but is Hoffman a guy that can contribute to this team and help and fit the system? Yeah, of course. He's contributed this year a number of times. I mean, you know, I thought, like I said, he played a solid game. I thought he competed hard tonight and worked hard. You know, he was, you know, was on the body tonight, and he ended up scoring a couple goals. But he has the ability to, um, you know, put the puck in a net with a shot, and he's got good talent. And um, when he puts his mind to it and he competes hard and works hard, he, he's a good player. I thought he was a good player tonight. So, yes, he can help our team. You know, you count on a guy like O'Reilly for a lot, but when you, you see him score like he has uh, lately, that's, that's just got to be an added bonus for you, doesn't it? Yeah, he's a, he has a lot of pride, and he takes it upon himself when, you know, we're not scoring goals. We went through that streak where we're not scoring a lot, and he takes a lot of that on upon himself. Um, you know, he's done a great job, in my opinion, of, you know, playing consistent hockey throughout the season, um, through, through the good times and the bad times, and uh, he's producing for us on a nightly basis. You feel like Billy responded well tonight after his last game? He, made, he, was, uh, he was outstanding in that tonight. He made some big saves. Craig, how tough is that decision? You know, some people might say roll with Bennington, but you got to get him some, some rest. How tough is the decision? Uh, you know, it's not that tough, to be honest with you. I mean, back-to-back -back games, I, you know, Billy Huso's come in and won games for us, and I get there's some, you know, a couple games where maybe he's not as good, and, you know, he's he's a young guy still learning and, and uh, growing. But, you know, it's not that hard of a decision. We have, you know, two capable goalies of uh, going out there and winning hockey games, and on back-to-back -back nights, it's um, it's the right move, in my opinion. Greg, uh, what did you see from your defense tonight? Did you, did, you, did you get what you wanted out of it? Well, yeah, I mean, what do you mean by the question? Like, I, you know, they're, they were good. I mean, they, they played a solid game. They did a good job in front of our net, I thought, uh, battling and doing things, you know. Um, 
you know, they're overall, I mean, we didn't get enough shots through, I didn't think, um, throughout the game. I don't know how many blocked shots Minnie had, but it seemed like we got too many shots blocked. Um, especially in the second period, I thought that we had a bunch of zone time and, you know, in the offensive zone, but we didn't get enough shots through. But overall, our D, I thought, were pretty solid all around. Um, you know, playing aggressive, doing, getting up in the play, killing plays, um, all the stuff they need to do. Does Pareko look like he's getting more, a little more comfortable as he goes through each game here? Yeah, I, you know, listen, it's going to take a bit for him, but I, he's, he's helping. You know, he's doing a good job out there. Um, he's not 100%, but he's helping. And he's, you know, he's a big body, like I said. <clears throat> like I said, he, you know, kills plays, uses his feet. He's got a great shot. He's got a great presence out there. So all positive stuff with him. Thanks. Well, what a win that was. Another victory for the Blues. My gosh, 3-2 to two in overtime. But you know what? We can't complete the story until we answer the question about Talman. I tweeted earlier in the week that Talman was day-to-day with an upper body injury. And it just so happens that Talman actually has not been at Enterprise Center recently. So, of course, as KMOX always does, we get to the bottom of the story. And I have an opportunity right now exclusively to catch up with Talman. How are you, Talman? Ron Beckley is with us. What's going on? Hey, I am doing great. Thanks for having me on here. And, yes, let's get the story straight. Yeah. So, tell me. So, um, nine goals. This is where it came up because the Blues – score nine goals. And although I did find out that you were not in the building, I knew somewhere, somehow you were celebrating those nine goals. And I, my understanding was upper body injury. Can you expand on that? Well, see, you're not totally wrong there. There, there was an upper body injury, but it was, it was from me celebrating each goal where I was. So you were, I mean, there's, there is some credibility, credibility to that. Well, I do my best. So describe that celebration if you would. Well, uh, the the group that was watching the game, we, we got together and, and we decided, all right, for every goal they scored, just kind of like, you know, make a game out of it. You got to drink a beer. So, I mean, who knew, (laughs) who knew? So, I mean, from lifting all the beers and running into stuff about the seventh or eighth beer, I have an upper body injury. Well, uh, technically, that is an upper body injury, Talman. Uh, you know, this is a perfect example of in a pandemic, we all have challenges to get to places that we need to get to. I, I can tell you from a work standpoint, that was tough. I didn't get to go to spring training, you know. Uh, I was not allowed to travel down to Jupiter, Florida, but accepted it. It's a pandemic. It's something that I've been doing for 20 years. You've been doing for, what, 30 years now, waving towels after every Blues goal and counting them down. But even it just shows you, even Talman's not able to attend every game. <laughs> yeah, up, up until the, right before the pandemic, I, I was uh, six years straight without missing a game. And, uh, I mean, y- you got to do what you got to do. And uh, But we're all out there. We're still supporting. We all still love our blues and, and, and want to be there. Um, but there are certain precautions everybody has to take. That is true. Talman, before we go, tell us about the genesis of becoming Talman and, and what that's meant to your life, because I know it's a big part of your life. And when you think about the Blues and the success they've had, and you're part of the game day atmosphere. 
Well, I, I appreciate that. I, I, um, I, I like to think is that I, I'm, I'm part of the team and uh, every fan that's in that building is, is just as important as I am. I, I just, I just get to help lead the celebration every time we score, but it's, it's, it's allowed me to, to meet a lot of people, make a lot of friends, and 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 some people. Some people don't like it. I mean, it's it's uh, when when you're down four or five goals and nothing, and you get up and count. That's not always an easy gig to do. But uh, some people actually get mad at me when we don't score enough, and uh, <laughs> so I'm gonna have to work on that. You do your but best. I I watch Sesame Street uh, religiously, so I make sure I, I remember all my numbers. That's come in handy. <laughs> and uh but yeah we 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 like to be there it it's it's grown into something that that uh um again it's it's tradition it's fun it's celebration and uh, it's part of the game it is and you are part of the the game experience as a fan i think it's cool that a fan became part of that and you remain a fan that's your role and and it's really a lot of fun who fills in for you now does louie take those roles well, Louie's been doing it during the pandemic here, and, and I got to tell you, he's barely getting it done. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Louie's doing a respectable job. I, I, I appreciate that, but I, I do have a, a, a couple people, actually. The, the first choice is always D. Loris. We call her Towel Gal. She sits behind me, but obviously she's been unemployed the last six years. But... Um, we do find somebody to make sure somebody upholds their tradition. Well, I just wanted to catch up with you, do our due diligence, and make sure that Talman is enjoying the games, that you are healing up, uh, that uh, that everything is good to go. Because, gosh, when they get in the playoffs, and I think they're coming here, as Jordan Bennington predicted, uh, you'll be needed. He said, yes, exactly right. We are coming, so don't don't count these boys out. <laughs> so you feel free to get in touch anytime you need to to make sure you're up to date. And who knows, I may even come over and cut your grass. Oh, my gosh. Ron Beckley, towel man, we appreciate it. Thank you. Let's go, Blues. We'll be back. John Mosellock, Cardinals president of baseball operations, is right around the corner on Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's 11.29. Before we talk to John Mosellock, he is coming up next. Just a couple of pieces of news that the Cardinals have submitted. Number one, Tyler O'Neill placed on the 10-day injured list with a right groin strain. He suffered that yesterday in the second inning, trying to run out a grounder. And so he is going to be on the shelf. And replacing him is Lane Thomas, who is starting in center field today. Thomas has been recalled from the alternate training site. Johan Oviedo has also been recalled. Who is he replacing? Jake Woodford, who has been optioned to the alternate training site in Sojay, Illinois. So here's the lineup for the Cardinals. By the way, I'm a big fan of Oviedo, if you didn't know. We'll talk to Mosellock about it uh, in just a couple of minutes. Lineup today, Tommy Edmonds going to lead off and play second base. Paul Goldschmidt's the first baseman batting second. Nolan Arenado, the third baseman, bats third. As Mike Schilt told us in his show last hour, Yadier Molina is the cleanup hitter today. The catcher bats fourth with Paul DeYoung moving down a spot to fifth. 
Dylan Carlson's going to play right field. He bats sixth. The left fielder today will be Austin Dean batting seventh. Lane Thomas batting eighth and playing in center field and pitching against the Brewers today is Cardinals right-hander Daniel Ponce de Leon. John Mosellock is next on Sports on a Sunday Morning. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Oh, yeah! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Dan Reardon will join us, talk about the Masters in about 10 minutes. Joining us right now live is the Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mosellock. Really appreciate you joining us on what's always a busy time at Bush Stadium. How are you this morning? I'm doing well, thank you. Good to talk to you. You have, uh, well, first of all, what do you think about the Masters? Matsuyama with a four-shot lead. I know you pay attention to that. I don't know if anyone can run him down. If, if he plays just a, a solid round, it looks like he's got this thing. You know, it's funny you say that. Literally, I'm looking at the leaderboard as we're speaking. Um, I was over at the um, alt camp this morning and, you know, watching KK pitch. And so I had not even looked at any of this. And uh, my pick was just Justin Thompson. And then I saw that he had a really rough uh, 10 holes. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I think it should be an exciting finish. But you're right, having a four-stroke lead going into the last 18 is usually you uh, can hold on to that. That's unbelievable. You and I picked the same person. I, I picked Justin Thomas to win, and he, he kind of – well, he shot an eight on, I think, 13 yesterday and just kind of fell apart. I mean, it just happens. It happens in this game. There's a lot of pressure. Uh, we'll have Dan Reardon talking about it in just a minute. Speaking of the alternate training site, uh, you had some news to announce. We got the official announcement of Tyler O'Neill going on the IL, right groin strain, and Lane Thomas joining the club from the training site. He'll start in center field today. And then Johan Oviedo joins the team with Jake Woodford going to the alternate training site. Just uh, the thought behind those moves, Mo? Well, we'll start with O'Neal. Um, I think if this was like midsummer, it might not you might not find yourself on the IL, meaning you could be a little bit more patient. But given the fact that we were playing in, you know, some, some colder weather, um, he still felt some tightness this morning and, and trying to really push through that seemed like it would uh, be problematic or could make things worse. So, Obviously, uh, the whole idea of having that taxi squad slash alternate camp, especially close by, gives you a lot more flexibility. And so, obviously, um, you know, Lane was one of the guys that, that, you know, one of the last cuts to when we broke camp. So, obviously, he'll get the opportunity, and I imagine he'll be in there today, and uh, we'll see what we have. And then uh, yesterday, with, with using Woody, he'd obviously have to be down for a couple of days. So, we just thought it would be in our best interest to get – someone like Oviedo up here to give us some innings should we need it uh, over the next few days. Oviedo is an exciting talent, but uh, somebody that continues to learn the game. I, I get excited every time I see the ball leave his hand. I think he is explosive. I think you and I talked about him in the past where there are some days where you, he looks unbeatable and some days where there is a learning curve for somebody his age, isn't there? Well, I think the biggest thing you're, you're seeing when, when pitchers tend to struggle, it's all about command. In other words, um, you know, if you're not throwing strikes at this level, it's it's really hard to be good. And, um, you know, even when you look at some of those blow-up innings we've had early in this season, it usually comes from walks. And um, those are those are things that come back to bite you. And I think in Oviedo's case, when, when he's pounding the strike zone, he's about as good as you're going to see. And if he's not, then, you know, problems happen. So, that would be the one thing I would just say to watch as he goes. But 
as far as just like pure stuff, I mean, it's electric. It's probably as good as we have and, and just, you know, horsepower and movement on ball and that type of thing. So when you look at him, you, he looks the part. And I think at some point in his career, he'll be one of those guys that's dominating uh, the top of a rotation somewhere. And hopefully for us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, what uh, Do you think about the future? And I know you do. You, you take a look at 22 and 23 and 24 or what your rotation could look like. There's a, a ways to go and you don't know exactly who's going to be back and, and what they're going to look like in 22. But uh, that's exciting. I mean, it's exciting. And, you know, the pitchers will change roles and that kind of thing. But uh, you do have uh, some horsepower, as you say. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, it's always a good place to start when you have, like, the physical presence, when you have the arm strength, you have the pitches. Um, I think pitching coaches will tell you that's that's fun to work with. And so I think in Oviedo's case, it's, it's about, you know, maturing on the fly, really, because, you know, you're not getting the opportunity to compete at AAA, and, and when you're not in the big leagues getting to work. And so, obviously, we're all excited about May when minor league baseball opens up, fingers crossed that these younger players can get the opportunity to get work in that's, that's a lot more competitive than just an alternate camp. How was KK today? You know, he was good. He, he um, looked comfortable. Um, you know, he was throwing strikes. He was, uh, you know, getting a lot of outs, which was encouraging. Um, and brief conversation with him as I was leaving, he said overall he felt pretty good and um, and was just excited that that he how he feels and what's coming out of his hands. So I imagine we're going to be forced up to make some decision with him. And uh, given the fact that he threw close to 90 pitches today, it'll likely be um, something for like Friday or Saturday of next week. Got it. Uh, and so you'll take a look at what your rotation looks like and how you fit everybody in and all those kinds of things as you move forward and see his health following that outing. What about, um, I wanted to ask you about yesterday, and I talked at length about this in the post game, and also with Mike Schultz this morning about the play with Justin Williams at third base. I guess my question for you on that is, you know, how does that work from year to year on reviewable plays? I, I feel like that's a play that should be reviewed. I guess I understand why it's listed as a non-reviewable because I think that means that the umpire makes a subjective call, whether he thinks that was Justin in fair territory or foul territory. I just think looking at the replay, for me, ball hits him in foul territory, pretty good chance it gets reversed. I mean, how do you see all of that? I think part of the problem is, is like, then where do you put the runners? And, mm-hmm. and I do feel like that more to the point, it just shouldn't happen. In other words, a base runner, unless you're, you're, you're sort of breaking on contact, which with two outs, it's, it's sort of a moot point, but like, you know, you shouldn't ever be on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like, I think that's probably the more of the frustration, but um I don't anticipate that rule changing anytime soon. I mean, ask yourself how many times you've actually seen that play. Right. And, uh, I mean, I had some people texting me last night or when that happened and they're like, they've never seen that, like, you know, at this level, you know, usually um, guys on third know that they're going to remain in foul territory. And so it's just in a way kind of a head scratcher there, but um I did look at the replay multiple times as well, and I, I just think it would be really hard to just determine where he was exactly. 
um, oddly, he jumped into fair territory. So um, that even made it more confusing. So best advice. Two steps back, two steps down, stay in the grass. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and then the, you had the ball that went over the left field wall, which I still don't understand how that happened. I saw the replay of that. I'm like, wait a minute, that ball hit where? <laughs> and then it hops over the wall in some strange way. I don't get it. We always look at ground rules to start the game. We know Bush Stadium, but I have never in my life seen anything like that. You just never know what you're going to see at the ballpark. What you do know, final thing for you, John Mosaloc, is – the home opener. You do know that that's going to be special. And even in a pandemic, it was very special. I, I credit you and, and your staff and everybody, Bill DeWitt third and his staff, Matt Gifford. Uh, I sat in the seats on Thursday, Mo, and from a fan standpoint, just looking at through their, their eyes, I felt very comfortable. And I was actually surprised how much energy was in the ballpark for 13,000. Didn't sound like 13,000. You know... <laughs> Interesting point, though, because I was wondering if this was going to feel a little bit like what we experienced in Jupiter, and because proportionately, obviously, uh, um, the stand size and stuff. But yeah, the energy in, in Bush Stadium the last couple of days has been incredible. You know, we haven't been blessed with with great weather, but fans are still making the most of it. And today, I think will be, uh, you know, at least the sun is out, and um, hopefully that energy continues because that's really cool. Yeah, it was. It was nice, and we'll see as things start to increase, and we'll trust uh, people who make those high-up decisions as to whether we can put more fans in the ballpark moving forward. John, I always appreciate the visits. Thank you for the information, and we will catch up with you soon. Good luck today. That sounds great. Be well. Thank you. John Mosellock, Cardinals President of Baseball Operations on Sports on a Sunday Morning. We shift to golf. The Masters underway. Final round in Augusta. Dan Reardon keeping an eye on things for us. We'll discuss the leaderboard and who might be able to take down Hideki Matsuyama and what's at stake historically for the Japanese player. That's next. Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. From KMOX Sports. Here's the pitch. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. We are back with KMOX golf editor Dan Reardon in our final segment to discuss the Masters. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Doing fine, Tom. I'm hoping next year at this time I'll be talking to you from a more distant location. That's right. So people understand you are covering the Masters. They do a fabulous job digitally during this pandemic to keep you all informed and let you participate in sessions with the players, don't they? Absolutely, Tom. I think the web, uh, the the app that's on uh, the the web is a really good app. But if people could see the access that I have uh, as a credential member of the media, they would be very envious. That's awesome. Uh, you are, and KMOX has had a credential in Augusta for, gosh, how long? What was? You, do you remember your first Masters, Dan? Easy to remember. 1986, Jack oh. Nicklaus wins the sixth green jacket. Wow. Wow. What an incredible uh, moment that had to have been. What a beautiful ceremonial tee shot um, this year with Lee Elder and Jack Nicklaus and Gary Player, Dan. I mean, I... You know, it stirs up a lot of emotion watching those three, and especially Lee. It is, but but I will also say, that, and certainly Lee Elder was the headline this year, and and they do that so well at Augusta. But I have to say that Gary Player, when he threw the little leg kick after he hit his tee shot, I I thought that's so typically Gary, and he is so fit at age what I think eighty four that he's amazing to sort of watch. He's incredible. 
I mean, what does he do, like 100 push-ups a day or something? I asked him, how do you, I said, I need to change my diet a little bit. I had him on the air one time, and he said, fruits and nuts, my boy. Fruits and nuts. Bananas. 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 Yeah. Oh, he's awesome. So uh, Hideki Matsuyama is awesome, and he has a four-shot lead, separating himself from the field. Xander Shoffley, Mark Leishman, Justin Rose, who led for quite a long period of time. And Will Zalatoris, who I find to be a fascinating young player in his first Masters, can any of them run him down? And could it possibly be Jordan Spieth making one last push? Uh, I'll, I'll hesitate on Spieth because I have a rooting interest. I always root for Jordan. History says that Hideki wins this championship. You and I have been doing this on the air for a long time, Tom. My Sunday morning analysis says he's no better than 50-50 to finish the deal, even with the four-shot lead. And here, here's why I say that. First of all, yesterday he played seven holes, six under par, okay? The other 47 holes he's played in this championship, he's five under. So we know that his lead has been built out of a really intense burst of, of, of scoring. That doesn't continue. I mean, I, I don't – Hideki is not Tiger Woods or Jack Nicklaus or anything like that. So he's going to come back down to earth. Second factor, over the first six holes of this championship – Hideki is even par with only one birdie, okay? So right away, he's vulnerable to the rest of the field uh, going out. Now, if, if he plays against his profile, then I'm completely wrong. But I can see his lead maybe not being lost. In other words, he may play par for the first six holes, but I think people come and get him. And who's going to come and get him? Well, Xander Shoffley, over that same stretch of six holes, is six under par for the championship. So six of his seven under par total is built on the opening holes at Augusta. So I could see us getting to the eighth hole with co-leaders. And then, then it's, then it's a horse race. And then, you know, I, I don't know who is the player that holds up under that kind of pressure. And by the way, Leishman is equally good over the opening holes, particularly on the second hole where he has consistently birdied the par five second hole. Whether, whether Zalatoris or Rose or Connor or Spieth climb into that situation, I can't tell you because I, I'm not saying that Matsuyama is going to come back to the field, but I'm saying I doubt that he's going to pull away from the field, and then he becomes sort of an easy target. And then the last part of this statistical analysis is none of them play the closing three holes uh, particularly well. Uh, there are no birdies on, on the 18th hole. There's very few birdies on 17 out of the group. 16, you get a couple of birdies there. So it, I think we're going to have a typical back nine at – at the Masters, and I don't think that four-stroke lead by Matsuyama is something that would make me comfortable if I was betting on him in a pool. You would have had Justin Thomas in this group today, perhaps having a chance, but after he birdies on the back nine and eight, Dan, and that uh, pretty much did him in. Yeah, it does, Tom, and that's that's the other fact that, that people should consider as this round unfolds. The early scores right now are not very good. There's only seven players under par who are on the course at this time, and the furthest under anybody is is two under par. So even though yesterday that 65 look made the course look gettable and there were great scores both on Friday and some yesterday on Saturday, it looks like now with the sunshine and very little wind, the course has returned to mostly its Thursday personality. And so there is that bite in the golf course, the kind of bite that Justin Thomas ran into, the kind of bite that many of the players ran into after the break when the weather came in and softened the greens and slowed them down. And nobody seemed to adjust to that other than uh, Matsuyama, who played just brilliant golf. It wasn't his putter that was hot. It was his iron game that was hot. 
he didn't have difficult putts to get six under par over a seven-hole stretch. He was the top amateur player in 2011, a decade ago. He made the cut, the only amateur to do that, and now here he is with a chance to win it. And the historical significance, Dan, of Hideki Matsuyama, a Japanese player winning the Masters. Tell us about that. He would be the first Japanese player male to win a major championship. He would be only the second Asian to ever win a major championship. Y.E. Yang ran down Tiger Woods at Hazeltine to uh, be the first Asian ever to win a major. That was the PGA Championship. Uh, That's the last thing that I think uh, Matsuyama has to deal with. He carries the weight of a nation on the shoulders, and he's aware of it, Tom. And at Augusta, the the, uh, Japanese media are there in abundance, and they have been all over him as he has climbed into this position on the leaderboard. He has to be able to have shut that out last night and this morning and get into his game. A lot of pressure on this 29-year-old to deliver for a nation, not just for himself. Wow. And his, uh, he's playing with Shoffley, who you noted could be someone who could end up running him down. And I wonder how much of a difference that makes, Dan, having uh, your the person in your twosome right there. Oh, absolutely, because you don't know if Matsuyama is a leaderboard watcher. So if Leishman or Rose or Zalatoris or one of those make a charge, you don't know if he's aware of it. And there are not big enough galleries to tell you what's going on. So Shoffley wants him right in his sights. That's the best-case scenario for a player tracing him, is to see, see him right in front of you and know what you have to do. I just Like I said, I'm not rooting against Hideki. A wonderful young man, great swing. Not the best putter the world has ever seen. But uh, but I, I think the finish is going to be better than people expect. I think it will be, and, uh, you know, I just pull for a great finish. And if it's Hideki Matsuyama, I'll be thrilled for him and what he did for a nation and for golf history and uh, whoever it is, it's always a great finish at the Masters with Jim Nance in Butler Cabin. Dan Reardon, always on top of it for us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks for joining us on Sports on a Sunday Morning. Enjoyed it, Tom. And one other note a new hole location for the final hole on 18. Mm. Yes, keeping an eye on that for sure. Cardinal baseball is coming up at 12:20 and we'll be watching it all for you. Masters, Cardinals, everything else. We appreciate you joining us folks. Great guest list today. Thanks to producer James O'Sullivan. I'm Tom Ackerman. Enjoy the game. Joe Pot has pregame at 12:20. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.